Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Comics Fondle podcast. My name is Andrew, and uh, my site is comicsfondle.com. And this is Vernon Winley of the Comics Gallery of Wilmette, a very nice retail establishment. And uh, this is our somewhat monthly podcast where we discuss the latest in comics-related thingies. Um, yes, and so first off, actually, uh, if you follow us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash the comics gallery, uh, comics gallery with an X. Um, you'll know we tried recording this last week and we didn't. And so we had a, a, a raffle to, to make up for not um, coming through for the listener. And the giveaway was a digital copy of uh, the amazing, is it the incredible adventures of Adele Blanc? Uh-huh. We'll, we'll uh, call it that. The, We'll call it that. And uh, so the winner is, Vernon. Mr. Arlen Golden of Chicago, Illinois. Congratulations, Arlen. So he'll be getting his awesome uh, code here. And so there you go. Excellent, excellent. It's always nice to hear a really nice person win. You know, that's great. We picked him out of the hat and it worked out great. Thank God for that. So uh, let's see. What do we have to talk about? Well, today? first of all, the, we, Andrew's working out the, the technical issues. He's a very good guy. We we got delayed last week for that. We'd like to apologize for being a week late, but uh, we're always late anyway, so it really doesn't change much. But uh, anyway, we were we were talking about a controversy last week that seems to have turned into not really much of a controversy at all. Yes, the uh, test fowler Brian Wood. Um, Brian Wood is a. Uh, a seedy guy well, supposedly who, uh, yeah I, I don't supposedly seedy guy and um so yeah last week when we thought we were recording we had we had a lot of discussion about it but in the in the meantime um he has responded he says this event happened uh 8 years eight ago 8 years so uh and that, you know, he's not like that anymore or something like that. And, well, he's married and a father, too. That changes you. You know, and <laughs> there was no reporting on it because I guess it's too... Um, yeah, well, they're both adults, unfortunately, right? I yeah. Mean, so, I mean, there's really... Yeah, it's it, it went from being a... It's not a Chuck Brownstein-type story, Uh if anybody remembers that from quite a few years well, ago. Well, if, if you've been out of the loop anyway, which I have anyway, uh, Brian was revealed to be someone who made an attempt to pick up, is it Tess? Tess Fowler? Tess, Tess Fowler, Fowler at a yeah. convention eight years ago, and she's an indie uh, young lady uh, comic book artist trying to get noticed. And uh, I guess Brian was willing to oblige her, and uh, things didn't work out quite the way they said. And she found other ladies on the internet that had the same difficulties with Mr. Wood. And uh, for those of you who aren't up to date, uh, Brian, like Andrew said, Brian answered the allegations the same. Well, it was about eight years ago or so, and he's a changed person. And, and then it just kind of quietly died, which is all right, because what happened wasn't illegal, or how would some people, maybe they wouldn't feel it was immoral. I don't know. I'm not one to judge. How about you? <laughs> you know, in a lot of the reporting sort of... It sounded like a lot of the issue was over uh, that his reaction to her once she turned him down was to degrade her artwork and I guess she's a cosplayer and and to mock that and that sort of thing and it it uh, it's a weird thing because so many people picked it up and it, it seems like nobody Nobody looked at the year thing. Yeah, we're, we're um, like trying to, yeah. Like, was. I was looking, I, I, I clued up some uh, pictures of uh, tests, and I was like, okay, you don't know when these are taken, you don't know how old they are, so you really can't make any revelations about people's age or how old they are. How's Brian? Do you think he's 40? I don't know. I probably should. I think he's, he's probably yeah, 40 I think, by now, I think yeah. it's safe to assume. And, uh, well, anyway, uh, to each his own, as it were. Congratulations. Uh, looks like he escaped a sword on that one. Huh? Yeah, he's, uh, you know. Anyway, it'll just be on his Google search results for well, a while. You yeah, you can go to the Comics Beat and catch all this stuff if you're interested anyway. And, uh, yeah, so we uh, we talked about that. What else has been going on? Well, the... one of my favorite articles uh, from last week, and I've been continuing to yell at my customers this week about it, is the uh, dollar market share numbers for October. Those were really exciting because D- DC and Marvel are splitting 
62% of dollar market share. And that is quite low for them. I'm sure they're not very happy about that. And Image uh, got up there at 10 and a quarter. A lot of that due to the ridiculously overprinted Walking Dead 10th anniversary issue. It sold over 300,000 copies with 15 covers. God help us all. <laughs> Seriously, 15 covers, you know. But anyway, uh, that probably helped push them to 10 and a quarter percent, I'm sure. But... These are not numbers that the guys at DC and Marvel want to hear, I'm sure, because they've been creeping down little bit by little bit, you know. And uh, no, that's that's really not good. Sixty-two percent combined, right? And, uh, and they're supposed to. I mean, obviously they eat the lion's share of the pie, but I'm sure that piece of pie they don't want to split evenly. That's for sure, you know. But uh, anyway, it's been working out for me. I mean, these two guys have the smallest amount of rack space in my store uh, that you'll probably see at most comic stores. And uh, not that I make it that way. It's all about numbers for me. And we seem to be showing a lot more alternative books that are getting the uh, the heft. I have a lot of books in my shop that uh, sell in as good or greater numbers than a lot of DC Marvels. And I'm very happy about that. So that's uh... – now, how are the crossover events going? Of course, uh, there are crossover it, it, events. It continues to be a what is it? Uh, diminishing returns thing, you know, re- repetition, as it were. And okay. people are tired of it. And with the rising cost of comics, uh, some of them are sniffing the waters on the other side of the fence. So, you know, we we can only do so many Green Lantern. Do you know that Green Lantern has been in a perpetual crossover mode for I'm thinking of like the whole two years of DC's Fifty Two now. Wow. Yes, it's really weird. You're looking at 24 issues straight of whatever it is, like some kind of big continuity crossover, and then they have four Green Lantern titles, so you got to buy all four of those fuckers. Excuse me, I didn't mean to use the F-bomb. But, um, you know, like, and my customers are getting tired of this. They're like, oh, you know, they're doing this out of obligation. But you know what? They do it nonetheless, which is, uh, you know, good for the retailer, but not necessarily good for the customer or maybe the market in the long term. But... Um, I say, you know, whenever they want to try, I always go, get out from behind the counter and show them other books that, uh, that they may, their shoes might fit into as well. And I'm having more and more luck as you might have. It doesn't hurt that, uh, not, not just, um, image, but also dark horse is really picking up, picking up the pace lately. Uh, I'm not sure we haven't really talked about, uh, this other one, but I just read it today. Um, oh, you read a comic. You're a lucky guy. I've been busy. Oh. I read a comic, yeah. Uh, Clown Fatale. Oh, you know, another I one got that on my pile. It looks so bizarro. Tell me about it. It's, it's crazy, yeah. It's, um, it's some crazy stuff from Victor Gishler, who did, uh, who's doing Kiss Me Satan for them. Wow, and, wonderful. Yeah, it's, it's just this crazy thing about these... Four female performers, clowns, yeah, and they're they're wacky sort of adventures. But the cover doesn't give you that jibe. I mean, they're all kind of like in these aggressive, titillating costume type situations. You know, it looks like your standard uh, beat off book. You know, from the cover. So don't be fooled. It's actually got content, huh? Yeah, and um, his other one, um, "Kiss Me, Satan's pretty good, and. Um, it's it's interesting that they're still doing these these books. They're doing a that Dark Horse is doing them after years and years of seemingly only ever doing um licensed properties. Yeah, they were they're getting in a moribund state for a while, but they've been taking some chances on material. Uh, they did that uh, God, what's the Dream Thief? That was a great series. Yep. And they do have a, a good a good library of stuff. They're doing these hardcover books and I wanna take some time out. They're called Dark Horse Originals and they have a whole slew of undiscovered people and some notable talents uh, into these and I'd like to delve into those. These are actually kind of stuff that they would carry at the library because they're hard little covers. It's cute. Um, they look like little prayer books, I think. They give me that feel anyway. You know, They give good hand, as we say in the comics industry. Um, but who else? we got Boom. I mean, they're putting out a lot of stuff. A lot of st- It's almost kind of like the indie companies are throwing as much shit on the wall and seeing what stink, uh, sticks. And uh, some of them are coming up with some really good series anyway. Yeah, and, uh, you know, Boom, of course, just had their first movie success. So. Oh, Two Guns? Two guns, so I imagine, and they're doing a third one or so, or second one, and we'll see 
it remains to be seen whether they can exploit any other properties. But you gotta you gotta think that it's been a long time since they started. Well, that was boom started. That was the model of know? their business, right? I mean, with uh, Mr. Ritchie behind most of it, right? I always got the impression that, yes, quite a bit of Boom's uh, material was based on movie treatments that they brought in. Right. So it was a comic book company, um, yeah. but it also doubled as a media development company, which they all want to do when you think about it. I mean, no one's going to turn down media development. Yeah, right. but they've been doing some good stuff. Now, let me ask you one quick question going backwards. So what was it about Crom Fatale? Was it a thumbs up, thumbs down? What happened anyway? I didn't get a chance to... Oh, it's a, it's definitely a thumbs up. It's um, it's just a strange book in a way that uh, I mean, uh, Kiss Me Satan's a little bit of a weird book too. Uh, I wasn't that big of a fan of the the latest episode of that okay. one, but uh, so it remains to see be seen how long Victor Gishler can handle a series, but uh Clown Fatale is only gonna be four issues. Uh it's just it's it's weird stuff. It's it's very comedic. It's uh oh, good. You yeah. made you made me you made me uh titillated here. I wanna read it. I'm gonna bring it home tonight. <laughs> yeah. Um what else is there? Well let's uh, see, uh last week's this week's God, where does it go? I mean I'm trying to keep up with stuff. Sandman number one came out a couple weeks back. And uh, I'd say J.H. Williams' art carries the show. You know, it's got just a plot to hang on there with. And uh, it's all about the Williams' art. Let's not deny things. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. It's okay. I ho- hopefully the second issue will be better, you know. And when we start, we were talking about Kiss Me Satan, which is a, a, a great book to read. It's not deep, you know what I mean? And it works with uh, pretty ar- archetypal characters, I guess you'd say. And, uh, but it's ripe for media development well. Exactly. And I mean, that is, you know, we're going to, that's, that's just the reality of things now that you do have to, you do have to deal with the fact it's going to be mostly media development type stuff, but. Well, especially from the indies. I mean, they're trying, well, I don't know, sometimes, can you imagine developing profit, uh, the great science fiction thing into a media development, it would be so hard to cover on all that level. It would take a really sophisticated uh, palette of the director, perhaps, to get all the different levels of that thing going on. Ah, the old days. Uh, yeah, there was a lot of books that came out. What is this? Uh, Afterlife with Archie. Uh, we got the second issue this week. Haven't had a chance to read it yet, but it's selling very strongly. A lot of my customers are into it. Yeah, um, I I have not read that one this week, but yeah, that was a nice surprise the last time it was on. Yeah, this week the Nowhere Men trade came out, and it's uh, quite a bargain. At uh, six issues for nine ninety nine, they're really promoting that as a value comic, and uh, I think that's a great read for ten bucks. You're gonna be on that thing for uh, it's gonna be a long read. It's not an easy read. Let's put it that way, and it's a lot of fun. Um, artwork very serviceable, and the concepts uh, getting it across anyway. Yeah, but uh, you like that book more. Than yeah, that. I do. I know. I, I'm just a Beatles fan. I don't know what can I say. Um, what was it? Uh, Sex Criminals. They came out with a new issue this week, and it uh, reveals a little bit more about the cum world slash quiet zone that they occupy uh, when they're uh, having an orgasm together. That's their superpower, wasn't it? <laughs> they go into another world where all time stops for everybody else with them. And, and that's been a popular hit lately. Uh, Chip Zdarsky's uh, cartooning has been just perfectly fine, and uh, the colorist has done a great job with it as well. And, oh, I wanted to talk about Brother Lono a little, because I uh, I did not read 100 Bullets. I think I read the first one, and I, I, I picked up Brother Lono on your recommendation when it started. And I've got to say that, I mean, it's a really strange book because not a lot happens in most of it. It's just a lot of um, sort of uh, unpleasantness in a in a small uh, Mexican town run by run by a drug gang. And then uh, in this latest issue, it really, uh, I really love this latest issue, and I'm really excited about the book. Yeah, the. Uh... The, the book itself concerns one of the uh, characters from 100 Bullets that's kind of uh, – I'm still not fully convinced that uh, Lono is, is, is like turning over a new leaf. I'm not quite sure. I'm not that sentimental about it, but I'm not sure, you know. Uh, 
but uh, he's he's got a solo story here at the end of Hundred Bullets, and uh, it's quite nice. It's very gritty. It's done with uh, Eduardo Rizzo's uh, exquisite sense of atmosphere and drawings that have just enough detail to tell you the story, but leave a lot to the imagination as well. And um, it's it, all the characters are ne- necessary too. There's no wasted characters in this book at all. Yeah, it's a really good book. Um, what else has been... So we uh, have some hot releases that i got to mention real quick, but I haven't read. Okay. Uh, let's see, Titan Publishers of England, they uh, drug out the old Murata the She-Wolf story from the 80s by Chris Claremont and uh, John Bolton. And it's kind of like Red Sonia, only not. It's got a. It reminds you of the female's uh, barbarian archetype, I guess you'd say, Red Sonia esque, but beautifully illustrated by John Bolton. I fondly remember the Chris Claremont script, but I was all of like 19 when I first read it, so forgive me. Um, what was it? One of my favorite Japanese mangas came out this week, uh, Yatsuba. And uh, it's a really wonderful uh, Miyazuma, I think his name is. And he creates this uh, comic book about uh, the adventures of a five-year-old girl. And it's just so sublime in its ordinariness that when I've had a stressful day at work, I can go home and read a a volume of Yatsuba and be very calm at the end of it. Very good. And uh, uh, that that is uh, some good stuff this week, so search those books out anyway. Yeah, there was a new Todd. I haven't um, read Todd, but I, you know, isn't it weird how Todd, the uh, ugliest kid on earth, is kind of veering away from Todd and doing the ensemble cast? Yeah, it is kind of weird. Did you see the cover for the latest issue? It is positively yeah. shocking. <laughs> Todd is uh, the Mad Magazine of nasty, uh, irrepressible, edgy humor, folks, uh, about this kid who's hopelessly screwed and has got to wear a bag over his head because his parents don't want to look at his ugliness. And uh, all the characters that inhabit Todd's world are really horribly flawed individuals, it looks like. And uh, great stuff. Great, dark, edgy shit. And uh, Manifest Destiny. I liked that one a lot. Did you I that did one? get a chance to read that one. Um, Oof, oh, that, that was solid. The uh, It's a really nice, uh, what would you call that? Re- it's not retro. It's... Uh, <laughs> Revisionist history. Yeah, yeah, the Lewis and Clark exhibition with a little bit of mythology thrown in there as well. And it was a nice riveting read for 20 pages plus. And the art, yeah. the artwork pulls it off just fine, too. Just yeah. enough. And, and now I have officially... Jump, I'm not reading any more of that freaking Wake series. I refuse. You know what? It's not scary. I'm really sorry to say that it's not scary. For as much black ink as Sean Murphy uses on those pages, it's, uh, it's, just, it's a tough slog nowadays. And if it wasn't for his artwork, I just want to take all the captions off of it. You know what I mean? You know what? This is like the first book now. I mean, there's more to this after this issue. Yeah. And I was like, really? You didn't tie this up at all in eight issues and you want to go further? And I'm like, oof. So I think that one's probably going to tank pretty soon, but it's all about Sean Murphy, baby. That's all you want to read now. Yeah, I know, and I I can't do it anymore. I just... Time is precious. I can't do it. Time is precious. You can't read all the effing comic books in the world. You just got to read the good ones, man. Yeah. So, what else? Hey, how about uh, that Shaolin Cowboy? Did you see the new issues of that one? You know, I did not care for the second issue. <laughs> it was definitely a, a, an art exercise, to say the least. It was an art exercise. Um, I, it was it was great art, um, but I'm not a big enough Jeff Darrow fan for it to be. Well, you know that was the thing. Um, he, he, Jeff Darrow is a great artist, but okay. For any of those that don't know, Cheryl and Cowboy is the main protagonist. And for what twenty twenty two pages of this issue, he slices up zombies. In horizontal panels, they're all identical to one another for 20 pages plus, mind you, with chainsaws. And it's an experience, to say the least. And some people were digging it, and some people were less so digging it, like yourself. I thought, okay, it's an art experience, but I could see where content could be an issue with some people. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's... What's really interesting about it, of course, is that... uh... Even though it's available digitally, you would never want to read that thing digitally because, you know, the the double panels aren't going to have the physical representation 
the or the the double page spreads yeah. aren't going to have the right physical representation. So I mean, you know, it was interesting. I was just like, I you know what? I don't have time though. Like it's cute, but there's other stuff I should. And then the concept doesn't really carry you through twenty pages of it. You could see eight yeah, or ten or something, maybe. I don't know. It's just it's zomb. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the other thing is it's it's a big question of. It's not so precise that he's going frame by frame. It's just him killing a bunch of zombies. I mean, lots and, and lots of zombies, endless amounts. Lots and lots yeah, of and, zombies. And, it's and just, some of the panels are yeah. very not well. They have to be similar by their nature because you're looking at a oh, he does a three sixty uh, around thing, but he's still on the same level, the plane. You know what I mean? So he doesn't mix it up that much. So you're looking at basically a series of. What, a three per page? Was it two two per page, was it? I think it was two per page. Two per page. Yeah, you're looking at, oh, what, 45, 50 images of all very similar things with uh, maybe a couple of word balloons at the beginning to set up, and then it just goes, right? I think that's it. And you got 20 pages of this, and I'm like, well, I'm I, I looking at it, sitting around, and I was trying to get into it with another mindset. And so I just sat there and made a game out of, like uh, – looking at all the individual variances I could find between panels and stuff like that. Now, that entertained me, but I don't know if it would entertain a lot of the audience. But I would say that I'd have to give it a, a, a thumbs-up rating just for an experiment that worked for some people but maybe not for others. I don't know. I can't explain any more than that. And if you think about it, it's been a very experimental, somewhat mainstream year with that Hawkeye issue we talked about. Um, from the dog's perspective. Um, oh, the Chris Ware uh, reprint issue, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we got, we got one more after that, man, and we talked about that and how that was uh, slow as uh, in continuity and everything like that. We're going to get another issue next week. I hope it takes place now. That's all I can say. Yeah. Now, have you been uh, – I, I sort of hopped off Ultimate uh, Superior Spider-Man following uh, – Well, good for you. <laughs> Following the 2099 crossover, I just couldn't force myself through that. No, anymore. Bendis should be forbidden um, from writing a hundred issues. Not arc. Bendis. What? No, this is this is the Dan Slott. Oh, oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, you know, there was just that 2099 Spider-Man thing, and uh, what was it after that? I don't know. There just there was little things. You want you want to establish more of the characters, I think, right? Well, yeah. That the Otto's little girlfriend has not. I didn't. I didn't mean that. The way it's Otto's Otto's love interest has not um, really gotten in that much time. I just remember that at one point they were kind of flirting, and then at some point they're dating. And well, he has dinner I, with her later on in the spider web, and he's got the dinner table and all that set up in the middle of the web that's suspended between two buildings or something. So she knows he's Spider-Man? No, she knows that he has access to Spider-Man's stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's that whole thing with the dirty cop, with the cop who knows that it's not Peter, you know, violating people's civil rights for all this stuff. And I'm just like, I just, you know what? It's just... It's too much. You know, it's, it's a noble concept, and we were really digging it for the first six, eight issues big dog, you know? Yeah. And then it just gets weighted over by the demands of keeping something going on needlessly or not having anything new to say about it by not letting a plot thread develop naturally, but artificially to tack on things that are editorial requirements, perhaps. I don't know. I, the 2099 was really tough read and I got through that, but he had a black hat issue that wasn't particularly good either. And then the he redeemed himself in the latest one a bit, and I'm 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 on a little bit longer. I'm not like a you know I, I'm not that tired of it, but I can certainly understand your uh, lack of enthusiasm. Let's put it that way. There is some interesting Spider-Man news. Um, Sony announced this week they're going to exploit every Spider-Man. They apparently have a number of licenses to the Spider-Man characters, and they're going to be doing, they're going to create their own movie, Marvel movie universe based on their Spider-Man licenses. Okay. So what would that be like all the characters that were created within the Spider-Man comics or is it new creations or it, it, it would be old. Yes. It would be the Spider-Man characters. So it's, I mean, I assume there's going to be a Venom movie. How about a Mobius, the living Um, vampire. That wouldn't be too bad. 
there could be a Mobius. They're assuming there's going to be a black cat. Um, yeah, that would work. I'd watch black these cat. are all, of course, just plans. Um, they haven't announced anything uh, because everybody's trying. And then, of course, um, they're going to do another Wolverine with some more news. Um, and then who knows what's going to happen to X-Men after the, the X-Men movie that's coming out next year is the second most expensive movie ever made. No shit. What made it so expensive? All the actors in the hire for it or what? Nobody knows. Well, kind of like Scott Pilgrim. They're, they're kind of, it's, 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 I, well, I thought Avatar was the most expensive movie ever made. It might not be, but um, it's the second most expensive Fox movie after Avatar. And everybody's like, well, is that because of the Sentinels that we haven't even seen yet? Um, and I doubt it. So, yeah, so it, it's kind of perplexing why it's so expensive. Yeah. If um, Del Toro can do Pacific Rim, they can do Sentinels for Christ's sake. So there, of course, has been talk that Fantastic Four and X-Men will cross over because they're the only two that uh, Fox still has. But you look um, at the richness of the characters. Uh, the Fantastic Four, even though it's probably the deadest of the movie franchises, it's got the richest uh, body mm-hmm. of characters that first appeared in the Marvel Universe. Uh, so they've got a lot of characters to work with there. Yeah, I mean, they still have Silver Surfer, they have Galactus, I believe they have Black Panther. I, I guess they don't have Black Panther. It, it, that's a question. How about um, Namor the Submariner? How about the Inhumans? Uh, who else we got? I thought they had Namor. Okay. I thought they did. So, um, it, it, they don't have the Inhumans, maybe. How do you get to... around that? You know, I... I, I, let, I you, if you negotiate a contract that says the rights to all the comic book characters when they first appeared in this comic book, I, I'm guessing that's how it works. I don't know. Yeah, obviously not. Yeah, obviously it's – yeah, there's no – I mean because Quicksilver is going to be both in um, the X-Men movie next summer and then in Avengers 2. Really? Yes. Ooh. Different different actors. The one in Avengers two will not mention Magneto. The theory is he'll be an inhuman and that's they'll introduce the inhumans that way. Well um, they want that whole cosmic shit to play too. They they really want the cosmic stuff to play out and I I, I was horrified by what I saw of the Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh what, they so. got rushes out or what? In, in Thor two they they introduce um Oh, I gotta see that. I really gotta see that. Yeah, they introduce uh, Benicio del Toro as the collector. Oh, okay. And um, it's they go into a shop. Um, it looks really crappy. Okay. Um, <laughs> Doesn't have del Toro's the, touch, huh? Well, no, he's there and he's he's acting like a moron. Um, it, it it seems like it's going to be very goofy. If if if. They're trying – I believe they said they wanted Guardians of the Galaxy to be Marvel's Star Wars. Unfortunately, I think they're going more for Star Wars, the prequels, than, you know, Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, I don't know. It, to me, that would be a competing line. Uh, they already own Star Wars, right? I mean, we wouldn't start the when, – when is the Star Wars franchise starting? Star Wars franchise is starting Christmas 2015. Uh, okay, so we ain't got that much longer to wait. Two more years. No. But anyway. We'll, we'll, we'll have to yeah, see. I can't imagine here. them having like competing things. So I can imagine like Guardians of the Galaxy going for more of a pushy Irish rated version maybe as opposed to Star Wars, which you want oh, to see for all of them. No. I doubt yeah. it. I, I, Marvel – have they even gone P- – they, they go PG-13, right? But they never go anything. Not really, no, no. And it, it's yeah. what we've desired for years, but we just don't get. You know, One day I'll get my R-rated and, Batman film, but that's it. You're going to get your R-rated – we've had R-rated Punishers, and it, it never really works out no. anyway, so who cares? Um, and then I think last week did we talk about the Netflix Marvel series? Uh, yeah, no. that had come up. Uh, that's You know, these are all yeah. interesting projects. Uh and they're going to use quite a few characters to launch, and then they all work their way towards the big climax, right? Yeah, so I believe the plan is is that they're going to do 13-episode Netflix series, which means Netflix has to stay in business for two more that years. That could be a tough one. Um, yeah, never know. 
they did not do do a good job when they wanted to get rid of they wanted to launch a new website for the DVDs. I don't know if anybody remembers that from me about a year and a half ago, two years ago. I um, put DVDs a while back, sorry. See? Um, so they that's gonna be thirteen episodes of Daredevil, Alias, Luke Cage, and then um who's the last one? I now, how do you, now, the question is, how do you make these things interesting within the, the half-hour, hour format and keep it lively and make it convincing with a low budget? Well, the theory is they're not going to be low budget. The theory is they're going to have a substantial budget, and then they would just have to do – they would just have to reuse sets. And, this, you know, just off the top of my head, you know, if they set dress – Hell's Kitchen, New York, in Vancouver okay. for Daredevil, there's no reason they can't turn around and use the exact same set for Luke Cage, Luke Cage Jessica Jones, or uh, or Iron Fist. It's it's an ambitious project. Yeah, I was going to say, that sounds like a nice group of characters, because usually you have difficulties when you hear lists like this, but all those characters seem to be jibe pretty good, and looks like they might be yeah. ready for that type of development. And then they're going to combine into a T, uh, Netflix miniseries called The Defenders that – or it could be a movie, um, presumably up against the Kingpin, right, who Marvel got back the rights oh, to. Oh, okay. Um, so it's an interesting idea, except in some ways it's not that – well, it's typical development. I mean, of a franchise, isn't it? I mean, well, yeah, yeah you're, you're developing a franchise, and it's it's a it's very much along the same lines as how they did the movies, where they they combined four franchises into one, right? With the Avengers, but with the um, the Netflix ones, uh, you know, everybody's the Marvel Agents of Shield just keeps on bombing it keeps on losing viewers. right they said it was having their viewers just about every episode absolutely nobody is watching this show and they're just like trying to do whatever they can but i can't imagine it's going to get a second season you know they already they already let, let them have the full first season which i think was like one week of a decision too premature because if they'd waited one week or 10 days to make that decision they would have known it was dropping like a rock yeah. yeah i tried i tried watching today i tried watching the uh the thor tie-in episode and it um i gave up about 17 minutes in, but it, 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 it did have a t- call back to the Thor movie and then it immediately went someplace else. So it wasn't really a tie in issue. It was, or a tie in episode. It was sort of just a share. It was, uh, you know, what, what Stan Lee used to say about if, the Fantastic Four goes into outer space in issue six in Spider-Man that month or whatever. He'll he'll be like, oh, the Fantastic Four. I see a rocket ship taking off from their roof, like from across town, like the little shared universe. It, it's not enough no. for um, trying to promote a property, a brand almost, the Marvel movie universe, trying to promote that brand on TV weekly. It's doing a terrible job yeah, of it. And yeah. It's just not getting any no, better. Yeah, you don't really see. I, I watched, uh, I gave it a shot for about 15 minutes a couple weeks back, and I just was like, oh, this ain't working for me. Maybe I'm not in the mood for it. But I don't know. It, it doesn't seem like anything special. And it really, really needed to be special if you were going to launch something. And you're like wondering, well, this was this a half assed idea that nobody had a concept for? Or was that a? I think, I think that would be what it is. I think I think they rushed it. Yeah, it was um, a good idea, but they didn't have any content to back it up with. Basically, you know. I mean, when you when you go Marvel's Agents of Shield, it should be a adventure a show about really interesting Shield agents, and they're really boring. Right, and you can and, bring in uh, the metahumans. We, you know, before the show even aired we thought it would be a great springboard for introducing marvel characters like luke cage or iron fist into the uh, mythos and absolutely nothing happened to that and i was really amazed when they didn't try to marvelize it as it were because it even says marvel's fucking agents of shield but there's no hint that it's in marvel land whatsoever 
Yeah. Just call just rev, you know TV screen images of the Avengers uh, movie characters. Uh, a friend of mine has started watching Arrow. She just loves yeah, it. Yeah, people who like Arrow are really into Arrow. I'll give it to them. Yeah, she's been trying to get me to watch it, and I was like, "Why should I watch it?" And she's like, "Well, he's he he, he has a shirt off, yeah. and he works out for about nine minutes an episode." And I was like, I don't, "I'm sorry, I'm not I don't gay." Think, I was like, I, I don't think that's a call for me to watch this show, but... Um, the, the ads they run in the DC Comics, it's an absolute fashion shoot with the cast, and there's like one kind of mulatto person, and everybody else is white. And I was like, mm, this is strange, you know? I mean, is this how you want to present yourself? But everybody's handsome. I mean, they're good looking, man. They're good looking. So, uh, yeah, I, I am... There's been no movie news. I think we, when we recorded last week, yes, uh, Man of Steel came out on DVD wow. or Blu-ray and DVD last week, and um, there was a, uh, a DVD release interview thing or Blu-ray release interview thing that Kevin Smith uh, moderated, and it seems like they confirmed that Lex Luthor will be in the second one. And then there was some further news or rumors that it's going to be based in part on, um, not not really based on Kingdom Come, but but Ben Affleck's Batman will be a, a semi-retired Batman. Uh, I think they're taking on like an awful a, lot with Kingdom Come that they're not capable of doing. Well, I, apparently it's just that he's sort of removed and he's using, you know, uh, drones as sort of crime prevention, domestically using drones to prevent crimes, which of course, <clears throat> you know, it, it ties into the news today, of course, but it also, it also reminds of uh, such staples of the 1980s as, uh, as Blue Thunder and RoboCop. There you go. Where you're, you're using military uh, hardware and civilians. Citizens yeah, of your so, own country, basically. We'll see. We'll see. I, I watched Man of Steel again on oh, Blu-ray you last poor week, thing. and I, I did not change my opinion one bit. So. <laughs> okay. Well, that's another one we're on odds about, but uh, personally, I'll take 60 minutes of Christian television myself, but that's just me. Well, there you no. go. So, what other movie? I don't think there's been any other news. There's going to be a Flash um, TV pilot. Uh, for next year, where the Flash will be played by a Justin Bieber lookalike. Wow, um, he's fast. Yeah. So, well, what have you been uh, reading? Uh, you know, have you read any uh, interesting comics uh, as far as uh, what's going on lately? I mean, uh, you said uh, you finished up on Ultimate Spider-Man. I remember talking to you about that. You said you were done with that. I'm done. I quit. <laughs> I, I didn't finish it. You I quit. quit. I quit. Um, I quit into the. The first after Ultimum, when Ultimate Spider-Man ended and they relaunched it with David LaFuente's art, I, I gave it six issues, and I think I decided around the third issue that I was not going any further, that I was I was just sick of uh, reboot. You know, well, I, I'm just, you know Bendis. Um, well, let's get this out of the way. Bendis, Bendis is not a great writer. He's he's a decent writer of comic books when he gets the right material, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was it? What? How many years did he write Ultimate Spider-Man? That's a good question. He's still writing it, so he's been writing it. Oh my for... God, he's still writing it. I don't even carry the book in it's... my shop. That's that's how bad it is. He's been writing it for ten years. Twelve years, thirteen, two thousand one, probably. Oh, man, a dozen years already under his belt. And um, hey, that's a check. Yeah, I mean, there you go. There's a check for you. Um... So yeah, I mean, it, it brings up the question of: Are there a lot of good comics that have had that monthly and bi-monthly comics, bi-weekly comics, really, in the case of Ultimate Spider-Man for a while, um, that are good after uh, twelve or thirteen years? Uh, you know, a hundred and sixty issues. I, I doubt right. it. Right um, on the same writer. You know, it's just. It, it went past the point where he was trying to do something, and now it's just to – when I got off, it uh, Mysterio was finally coming in, and it was just – It was just a check. <sighs> <laughs> well – I imagine he still has passion for it, but it's not 
it's not displayed on at least as far as I can tell with uh, the concepts or the characters because you know I mean after a certain point you just got to bail you just can't read the same comic book for ten years I'm sorry I'd rather shoot myself in the head than do that. Especially one that hasn't gone through any reinventions. I mean, when you look at something, um, I read all the Swamp Things. So that went for about 15 years. It went from... But you had a variety of writers on the title. You had a variety of writers who changed it every time. You had Marty Pasco, who did something, not a superhero book. It was was a hard-edged... It wasn't supernatural, but it, it was it was mystical, and it was it was not happy. And then you had Alan Moore, um, Rick Veach sort of continued the Alan Moore, and he sort of didn't. Right. Um, then you had Doug Wheeler, who took over for twelve or sixteen issues and did a big crossover where he brought back Pog. And then he had then you had Nancy Collins, who did um, a horror comic, and then you had Mark Miller, who did. Uh, just uh, I don't even know how you describe what Mark Miller. Yeah, did. back when he um, used to write. And then I, I, he hates that comic. I really? Oh my god! I, if I had to, he, if I had to say to Mark, I mean, if you read what he's doing in uh, what the hell's the name of that uh, Kickass? Oh my god! That's that's just some of the worst turgid shit I could possibly imagine foistering on comic book fans. And he doesn't like Swamp Thing. That makes no sense. Well, one's making him a lot more money than the other, I guess. That's what it comes down to. Exactly. And so, yeah, I mean, it it constantly had new new ideas, even though I believe um, Karen Berger edited it for... (sighs) Oh, forever. Most of it's run. Stuart Moore took over, I think, with Mark Miller, or maybe in the middle of the Nancy Collins. But yeah, I mean, it it it, it reinvented itself over the years, and I think that part of Ultimate Spider-Man's problem was is that Bendis was too focused on the fact that an issue might only take place over three hours. Yeah, right. Or, and so he's like, well, I think only about six months has happened since Peter became Spider-Man. And it's like, well, right, dude, but we've been reading the comic. We've read 100 issues of this comic. And that like, means I've got like $200 invested in this. And how much time? Oh, how yeah. many Over how many months? You know, and how long did we... Not to I, mention I Mark like... Bagley's artwork. No. Oh, let me tell you, once David LaFuente takes over, you're really missing Bagley. Of course, I loved the MMN stuff because I felt like right when he quit doing the book, when Marvel was like, we can't afford to pay you to do this book. It's not selling enough anymore. Yeah. He had finally worked out a uh, balance for doing sort of teen comedy drama and superhero action. He'd figured out a balance. Yeah, that's that tough. You're right, because really he's your standard with. like graphic artist, does good superhero stuff, but could he do the warmth necessary for the He script? finally got yeah. that, and then he was gone. Wow. And you're just like, well, that's... And the, the, who is it, Lo Fuente? Not a bad artist, but, you know. You like him. I don't well, like he's him. All right. He made Peter look like a girl. I didn't like him. But anyway, so, you know, there's that book. Well, what, you know what I, you know what I started reading this week? I got a hold of a set of Batgirl Year Ones by Chuck Dixon. Oh, that's a good Oh, book. with Marcos Martin. Oh, oh, I'm just oh, sitting there weeping book. over the pages. They're so gorgeous, and Batgirl is do just you, so fucking cool, man, I swear. Do you remember Human Target? Yeah. That alternated between, was it between him and Cameron Stewart? Oh, they had a lot of the guys who were just looking for work who yeah. were really good in those days. Yes, exactly. I, I feel like i got to read that again because I don't think we really appreciated it enough. I know we appreciated it somewhat. And I was just telling somebody the other day that that TV show that lasted a couple seasons was a lot of fun, even though it wasn't really. Now, this was Peter know, Milligan, right? Peter yeah. Milligan. That was Peter Milligan, who has cost probably cost me more money on crappy ish comics than good ones, right? One he but he's a fifty-fifty guy. Yeah, he's a fifty-fifty guy. What's that terrible one he had at Vertigo? Love, not Love Street. Love Street was his Hellblazer one. That was okay. The latest one. Remember uh, that? You know, he wrote Red Lanterns for the New Fifty Two, which sucked. Oh, that was and then awful. what else did he write? He wrote something for Vertigo about Greek Street, yeah. and that was hideous. Greek yeah. Street, that was oh, terrible. That hideous. But by oh. the same time, Peter Milligan has turned into some of the most sublime shit you could imagine for a comics writer. Oh, boom! Uh, the, the Vertigo pop 
Tokyo or oh, something. Oh, with the late it. late dude or whatever, the Seth Fisher. Was that the one? Was it? No, not, he didn't do the Seth Fisher one. He did the one where a rock star is trying to like go into a younger version of himself. It was awesome. It's oh, was great. that Frank Quietly maybe? I don't know. No, maybe not. No, it was Philip Philip Bond. Bond. You're right. Philip that was a Bond. great fucking story. Yeah. You know? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it just maddening then, sometimes because it'll, it'll turn some great shit in, and then you're like, "Oh, what is this turgid shit, man? Come on." Well, remember when he did? Uh, oh God! So he was at Marvel for a bit, and he did. He's um, been everywhere. He did Punish. He did Punisher Wolverine uh, for Marvel Knights, and it was all right. Like they were teaming up to fight Colombian drug lords or something, and so lots of fodder for death. There you oh, go. There you are. Okay, okay there were. There, there were I am. So anyway, right. lots so, of fodder for death. Lots of fodder. So then I made the mistake because I liked Wolverine Punisher. I made the mistake of reading um, Venom Carnage. Oh, there you go. With the Clayton Crane CGI art. Oh yeah. Well, Clayton is oh, Clayton does good terrible. covers. I don't care for his interiors, but I think he does cool covers. You know, and that's what's yeah. weird because with with Peter Milligan, right? Peter Milligan can write an absolute crap Carnage versus Venom series, or he can write the absolute best Carnage Venom series you ever read. You know, and you don't know, so it's always a crapshoot when you're trying his stuff out. Yep. Hey, um, well, wasn't, wasn't he involved with uh, our favorite X title as well, Ecstatics? He did. He did. And that, that was what about forty, fifty issues of pure great comics that. Will probably never be published by Marvel again. <laughs> yeah. What what news did I see? Oh oh no, that's right. Um, Valiant is going to do is going to foist another crossover on. Everyone. I worry about those guys. Their numbers aren't what oh. they need to be, and you know, like they started off really strong. You know, I mean, and I know that they had these skeletal concepts that were already existed for the n- new writers to just kind of graft onto and spring from. But I haven't seen anything that keeps me going. I mean, the Harbinger title is still doing all right, but I just kind of lost interest in everything else, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, did you catch any? Yeah, the did Har- you catch a Harbinger? I did the Harbinger Wars, and I need to catch up on Harbinger, but it's hard because I'm just... Uh, Harbinger Wars just sort of sucked the uh, enthusiasm. I'm just like, you guys are just doing a crossover. This is nothing special. Right, and that's the thing. And it's not like you got to have something special, but you got to have something. And there was just like nothing there to grab us in that whole thing. You know? Yeah. And I, wor- I worry uh, about, you know, their, their, their sales are coming in at under ten grand an issue for their books. So I don't, I, I hope oof. they're for the best of them, but they really got to find, they got to find some formula now that sticks. And go for it. And I don't think that expanding the line is going to do that. Yeah, and I worry that uh, I didn't read the original Harbinger by Jim Shooter. But I kind of worry that at least the way they present all this stuff is they're trying to present themselves as a cohesive franchise to compete with X-Men for movies. That's possible. You've got teenagers with special powers. Like, okay, well, so we're going to... Well, just... that's Shooter back in the day when he started Valiant. It, that's his instinct as a comic book publisher to come up with a young kid's book, uh, a battle-hardened veteran book, uh, you know, the formula. He knew all that, so he just tried to do that at right. Valiant. So I don't know if he was media developing, but, you know, he knew what a comic book company had to have to be successful and kind of compete with the big guys. Although, yeah. so, although if you if you ask if a publisher asks you what direction they should go, the last thing you should say is to try to compete with the big guys. Oh well. And that, of course, has been what's really turned around for uh, uh, Image lately. Right. The the unique um, business model they have, kind of like the typical record recording contract, you know, where you. Uh, you know, they they do all the the work, and then you owe them, and then it's based on profits from the book that you know they deduct, and then you work from there. And so far, that seems to be, it seems to be bringing out a lot of hits. We'll see if it has long term effect. You know, we're not there yet, but it's it's the most exciting shit coming out out the rainbow here. You know, I mean, uh, I look forward to my image releases every week, and I can remember a time when I started 
the shop in 95 where I really wasn't looking forward to the new image releases every week. Well, the other thing is some of the image books and some of the Dark Horse books, uh, Clown Fatale, for example, um, you read these things and you're like, well, this is exactly the kind of thing Vertigo was doing back in the 90s. Yeah, but, you know, there's some stigma about the Vertigo label. Now, Vertigo had its sure of hits, but... I don't know. Would, would that be the law of averages? Maybe you're part of a bigger company, so you're doomed not to distinction if you're not there in Preacher and Why the Last Man numbers, perhaps. I don't know. Because you're competing with your own company's product, where something like that now published like Boom or Dark Horse sticks out because they don't publish that many books. Well, neither does Vertigo. Anymore. Right. I mean, Vertigo's got what? Fables and two spinoffs. It's got the unwritten. It's got what else is that? Oh, they got what? Uh, the new shit. Hinterkind. Uh, and. Uh, is that an ongoing? I guess. I can't admit. It's not going to no, be. It's not going to make mean, it, yeah, right. Uh, Coffin Hill. Yeah. And uh, there was something else. Trillium, right? That's a limited. That's only. Yeah. Eight. Yeah. But ongoing. You know, I don't know if Vertigo should publish ongoings too much. I don't know if the market's ready for that right now. Even Fables, they're, you know, even Buckingham said he's getting ready to tie that up, but they've been strong. And I just don't know if you can go, I don't know if it's uh, actually prudent to publish comics anymore that go to six or 700 issues or anything like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I think, I also feel like maybe it's just a different perception because. I have the perception of Vertigo releasing a lot more stuff. No, it did because oh, it used you know, to be back, quite prolific. Yeah, it, it yeah, it did release a lot of stuff, and you were getting lots of Vertigo stuff, and it was a brand that you you trusted. You trusted that Karen uh, Berger was it Karen Berger yep. or was it Joan Hilty? Well, Karen Berger most of the way, I think, from the beginning to the end, pretty much, right? Yeah. So I mean, it was it, you trusted Karen Berger. As the, you know, you bought into the brand. I mean, it was an interesting concept, and they sort of abandoned it. And I remember that. Well, it um, takes a strong editorial focus, and that costs money, right? I guess. Yeah. Right. Well, and I remember when Vertigo used to, back when they first started doing the numbers analysis, and people would be like, "It's a Vertigo book. It doesn't matter that it only sold fifty four hundred issues." Right, as long as we're getting trade, word and we're getting good reviews, we can use that to build the trade paperback sales. And then eventually, somebody was like, "Wait a second, we have the trade numbers. Where are they selling these? They aren't selling these anywhere." And so. I don't think that issue was ever resolved. Maybe they were selling them to libraries. Who knows? But because libraries traditionally account for half of the purchased books, and I don't know that they get reported in the same way. But And now, of course, with D Vertigo being under bigger DC oversight, it's just what what's that story? Um, Neil Gaiman wanted to do a comic. and Was it Neil Gaiman or was it somebody else? Yeah, it's probably Gaiman, but you can never tell. Somebody wanted to do a comic, and they asked Karen Berger about it, and she said, don't do oh, it. Oh, that was Brian Vaughn with Saga, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's what it was. Yeah. Right, yeah. And, she, and he's like, she's like, don't yeah, do Yeah, don't it. do it. Don't take do it, it, take it over there. Take it over there, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, she can yeah. see the writing and on if, the wall probably, right? Yeah. Well, and, and that's sad because you're right. I just When you're sitting there telling me about the Vertigo brand name where you would just take a chance on title, and I remember – Oh, I, I buy collections off the street, and you'll find, like, Vertigo runs in them. And I just remember this, like, this four-issue or five or six-issue of a Lee Mars, uh, female underground 60s cartoonist, did this story for Vertigo in the 90s or 80s. I forget, probably 90s. And it was about this girl who's psychic and goes back to her small town in Alaska or something where she grew up or had friends or whatever, and she has this thing. I'm like, wow, this is some very good stuff. And it was very off-the-cuff, and it was a great comic. Now... Whether it would turn into a media property, you don't know, but it was just a great, great comic, you know. And I enjoyed rereading it again after what twenty years or whatever the hell it was. Yeah, I don't know if there's that kind of thing, and, you know. And it's yeah, it's Vertigo's not there for that anymore. It's kind of it, uh, it, well, Vertigo is just exists as a label only from the stuff that they're putting out now. I don't again editorial focus. It's really not there. I don't see it, you know. 
One of the other uh, other interesting news bits this week is that um, they are Warner Brothers is quietly trying to establish a uh, what is it? So the Marvel movies have the uh, Kevin Feige. I don't know how you pronounce his name, guy who who produces all their movies, and uh, he stuck with it to to with the Disney transition and all sorts of stuff. Okay. And uh, apparently, David S. Goyer, uh, famous of course for writing the Nick Fury movie uh, with David Hasselhoff, oh, that's very is yeah yeah he's apparently uh, the de facto guy at uh, Warner Brothers, and it's it's unconnected with it it's not apparently not connected with um DC it's that Warner Brothers wants him and so it's very interesting cuz you'll see Jeff Johns talk about the TV stuff you know he'll he'll talk about Arrow or the Flash or, or something like that but then there was news last week that Jeff Johns might or that they might turn Morpheus the Sandman into a movie with a uh, jo- Joseph Gordon leave it because he likes the character huh. or something. Well, I'll I mean, be like... perfectly honest with you. I think it makes more business sense to do a movie about the Sandman than another Superman or Superman Batman movie with Ben Affleck. So it's it's a very interesting uh... <sighs> DC movies have never been connected, and in some ways. Uh... It seems less likely that they'd be a natural fit for one another. Oh, I, I don't even see them trying to fit. I don't even see, like, because they've had, what, two, three Superman franchises, a couple of Batman franchises already, and they really don't resemble one another, do they? No. So, and then, of course, there's there's a, the guy who plays Arrow on TV wants to, to be in the movies with... I think... I think I, I think he should be. I think they should give him the leading role and pay him twenty million dollars. <laughs> you think uh, so? Yeah. You think you think the guy who's on TV at the CW should be promoted to? <laughs> you know, well, oh, oh, that is news. Sorry, wait. There is one more bit Uh-oh. of news, and it was either today or yesterday. Sleeper, the movie, is moving forward again with Matt Damon and Ben Affleck producing it. Was it Sleeper? Was it Preacher? It. I thought it was Preacher. Sleeper. Well, who's, no, Sleeper. who's doing Preacher? Preacher's going to TV with Seth Rogen. That's right. Writing. Okay, so back to Sleeper. Yeah. So they're actually going to do Sleeper? They're going to do Sleeper again. Now, a couple years ago, Tom Cruise was going to be in Sleeper, and then Tom Cruise... Went crazy. No, one of his comeback movies didn't do well enough, but now somebody else is doing it. And, of course, one of the big rumors for Ben Affleck agreeing to be in, uh, in to agreeing to be Batman was is that he would have a wide-reaching contract with Warner Brothers. Oh, okay. That, that would not necessarily include him having to do any solo Batman movies. So... The solo Batman movie might be over for the time being. But the other thing is... This is the thing that everybody's been talking about for years is Warner Brothers does not develop these superhero movies the way that Marvel does. Oh, it's a totally different system. It's totally different. You can just – there's not two a year. There's not – they yeah, they come out when they come out, all right? Leave me alone. Yeah, there's there's one every three yeah. years, and you know there's there's Green Lantern thrown. Oh my god! End, if so. you know, I swear to God, if I was the producer of Green Lantern, I would have jumped out the window after I saw the final cut of that thing. Hey, it's from uh, the producers of Arrow. That's why I don't watch Arrow. No shit. Well, I, maybe they're TV producers. Who knows? I mean, you know, maybe you shouldn't do movies. Okay. Yeah. So you know it. it I, I was so excited when you said Netflix was starting to handle, uh, was it Marvel shit? I was like, good, maybe they'll cross over the oranges of the new black and we'll have a real radical thing going on. Well, anyway, sorry. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to see. Well, I mean, when Marvel does the Howard the Duck relaunch, that'll be interesting. Ah, oh, God. The times are just about right for it. I think cynicism but- has a lot to do with the popularity of Howard the Duck. <laughs> I feel like had Marvel done something like an anthology show instead of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., it might have been 
better, but it, that would have been far more expensive. <laughs> I just had, but it would have been an event. Uh, yeah, I was going to say Jessica Jones getting ass raped by Luke Cage. <laughs> what a great first episode! Yeah, yeah, we'll see if that makes it to the transition. <laughs> oh, forgive me, I digress. Uh, what else? Is there anything else? I'm tonight? trying to think if there's anything else. I'm looking around at my notes, and and we did pretty good considering we were handicapped at the knees last week, and brought it back again this week. And we thank you all for your patience. Okay, well, if that's yeah, all, we, yeah, then... we've been reading some comics, and uh, I like the. I'm, I'm reading older shit now. What can I tell you, Batgirl? I'm with Batgirl. Batgirl Year One. You got to read. Uh, you got to go track down your Beware the Creeper with the Cliff Chang art next. Oh, you know that's in trade form. I've got that on the shelf. Yeah, that's a good book. I yeah. enjoyed that. Uh, uh, there's just so many goodies out there, kids. You don't have time to read them all, so just read the best stuff now. Yeah, don't don't bother with the crap. Yeah, well, don't try it. Just just trust faith in your local comic book dealer, and he'll he'll. Oh, is that it? Yeah. He'll set you on the right path. <laughs> No, I think that wraps it up for me tonight, son. How about you? I'm pretty good. Uh, So, Facebook.com backslash the comics gallery with an X, X, and then comics fondle without an X dot com. Um, Send us comics. What's what's it? Comics gallery at gmail dot com. If you email, just send us some comments. We could care less, but we'll read them anyway. There you go. iTunes, and I think that's it. Wonderful. Well, thanks for all of you for helping us get through yet another episode of the Comics Fondle podcast. And, uh, yeah, thanks for listening. We love you. (laughs) Ciao. Ah!